Sorry about that. Oh my God. That was fascinating. Oh my. Did you guys actually get to see the, the stream or were you just watching me react? We were watching the stream. Okay, good. So you can see the actual chase that was occurring. We saw it play out. You ready to go? Yeah. Fresh off this car chase high? You ready, Rob? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is going to be, it worked out so perfectly. People are going to think this was staged, mm. that I was just watching back a chase and, oh, there you are in a pier. No, that. It just happened on, you couldn't see the television, but it was very live. It was staged. That woman is a friend of Maze and myself. We got her <laughs> to commandeer that vehicle. And Let me tell you, we were speaking about this before, but if you're asking me, am I rooting for anything? I, I originally said, no, I'm indifferent. But the answer is yes, I'm rooting for a peaceful resolution and no one to get hurt. So I just want what just occurred, which is an entertaining chase, but ultimately no innocent people are wrecked. They lose their cars or their livelihood. We've seen uh, carjackings occur in the past and that's like their business truck is now wrecked and their life is ruined. So we don't Mm. want that to happen. Just get the person, the culprit code four, get them in custody and, you know, put them through the legal process. It's not as easy as it sounds, but every chase has something different. I've been doing this now for eight or nine years. And every single time there is some different endings, some different circumstance stolen. Today was a stolen police car. Wow. Do it again. Do it again. Welcome to the House of Strauss. Yeah, go for it. Stars hang with stars. Winners hang with winners. Welcome to House of Strauss. I'm delighted to be joined by the one, the only, Rob Perez. You might know him as Worldwide Wob, who has over a million followers on Twitter, in addition to all these other social media platforms. A man many associate with bringing them instant, captivating NBA footage, but that's not all he does, folks. We started to record this, or we tried to start and uh, Rob's side job kicked in, which is tracking and doing play-by-play on L.A.'s police chases. Uh, Rob, you're just coming off narrating this whole police chase on Twitch. Can you give us a, a, an assessment of what just happened right there and what's going through your head? I'm being like the, uh, the, 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 the bad broadcaster after a player just wins the game. How did you feel about that? Yeah, that was... Uh, uh, that was... I'm trying to calm down a little bit so I can give some coherent answers, but uh, for a chase that occurs during the day and is as intense as that 20 minutes was, it just went by like that. Um, You have to bring the energy to match what's going on as a content creator, but at the same time, when you're addressing something as serious as um, a a potential victims or a culprit, uh, a criminal, or in this case, someone that stole a police car with a shotgun in the front seat, you know, it's uh, it could get a little nervy and anxiety is high. So I do my best just using my experience of watching at this point, I've probably seen more than a thousand police chases. Uh, they can last from 30 seconds. And I've done a marathon chase in a standoff that lasted five hours and everything that happens in between, it could be potential for carjackings, getting out foot pursuits. They release dogs, which we call fur missiles. Uh, there's a lot, you gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta be knowledgeable of it. And at the same time, you know, I've got a audience of several thousand people were just in that room that are commenting, asking questions. This may be their first chase. They may have been around for 15 years and they know a wob since the origin. So I need to just be balancing all of that, which is probably why my hair is this gray at the age of 35. I mean, the fur missiles, that was my favorite part. The lingo. As you announced this, Mays and I were, were just having a grand old time uh, just following all of that through the suspense. There is this voyeuristic aspect. It is dangerous. This was a surreal moment for me, Rob. Uh, I We've had these instances where we had an interview booked and then something comes up. And the thing that comes up sometimes is it can be rather entertaining. You know, Colin Cowherd comes to mind. He was doing takes on Baker Mayfield in the front yard of his house. And so while we wanted Colin to be there for this podcast, we were amused by, Hey, he's just got to do what he's got to do. This is a first for me to watch a woman drive. What was it? A police cruiser that she had stolen Mm -hmm. um, into an industrial park 
recognizing that it was a dead end and thinking, oh, nice, we're going to get to record this podcast. She's she's trapped. This is going to this is going to resolve itself. However, it's going to resolve itself. But we are going to reach we're in the fourth quarter now. This was new. This was new, Rob. Uh, (laughs) Was there anything unusual about this police chase since you've done so many? No, just that it was a. In this particular situation, a police car was stolen. I would say that's of the rare variety. Uh, majority of these are stolen vehicles, but not stolen cop cars. And if you steal a cop car, you better believe there is going to be no tracking mode. Uh, tracking mode is a term which we use. And if it's a chase, that's kind of like, eh, they're, they're keeping an eye on it, but it's they're not doing anything crazy. They'll go into tracking mode and they'll put a helicopter above them, but they won't really engage on the ground. Uh, I judge chases the same way that the GTA grading scale occurs. When you're playing GTA, you have one star, you can get rid of one star. You just drive around for a little bit. Eventually the cops go away. But when you're playing GTA and you get into some problems with the cops, those stars go up to four or five. This was a five-star chase. The cops were not letting their own vehicle that had a shotgun in the front seat get away. So once again, every single one of these is different. Um, If you've lived in Los Angeles or you've been to Los Angeles before, you know that it has a pretty... Strong grip on just basic culture here in L.A. And I'm also cognizant of people having opinions towards policing and or the people that the police are chasing. They may end up on one end of the extreme or other. So, again, with my coverage, again, I'm not trying to root for anything other than a peaceful resolution. And I'm also trying to educate those that are interested in this type of content, as well as maybe even advise someone that has a family member that was just on the 91 freeway, was just in Cerritos, was just in Downey. You know they're commuting there. And if I'm watching Wob stream and uh, I see that there's a chase going on, I might call my my mom or my sister and be like, be careful. The 91 is all sorts of backed up because there's a crazy person driving around. I don't know if I've saved a life, nor is that was that the original intention of me doing the show, but it's just one of those things I think about. So I understand that some people see police chase and they're like, it's propaganda. I'm never going to be able to convince them um, of what I think the ultimate goal of doing this is. But, and just for personally, I find it entertaining um, and I enjoy commenting on it. So that's why I do it. Well, this is the first time I ever watched one of these streams. I was struck by the dramatic irony of watching the stolen police cruiser weave around the freeway and it didn't look so hard because in normal circumstances, people aren't so deferential to the crazy person swerving around the freeway. But when it's a cop car, everybody's going, Oh yeah, yeah. Right this way, right this way. So it was, it was fascinating as suspenseful as it was to just watch the car cut like a knife through butter through these uh, crowded freeways of Los Angeles. And that presents uh, – th- that's one of the reasons beyond not wanting to lose your car that I think the police need to do something because, man, you can just get away with so much when people think you're the police. That too. I mean, again, every chase has something – a different element to it. Uh, most recently, we were in a standoff situation that the guy parked his stolen vehicle on the edge of the L.A. River. So he could have potentially driven off of it, jumped into it, ran away. So they brought in a Bearcat, which is a SWAT vehicle to kind of trap him and bring in the correct equipment. You really never know how these things are going to go, which is why I always viewer discretion advised. These are unpredictable. Um, I'll do my best to censor out any gore or um, stuff that, as I told you, I'm not interested in seeing people like die zoomed in on camera. I don't want to see that. So I will censor the stream before it before it reaches the people. Um, But uh, yeah, today's was just, if you're driving on the 91 freeway and you don't follow worldwide WABS police chases, how the hell would you know that cop that's whipping by you is a stolen police vehicle? You wouldn't, Mm. right? So it's it's part raise awareness. I don't deny what you're saying, that it is informational. And I'm not, I, I don't have any issue with you doing this kind of content, to be clear. But let's face it, man, you're in it for the high. This isn't just about yeah. education now, is it? No, no, I that's I I alluded to that in my answer. It's I first of all, I enjoy doing it and I find it interesting, but I have found ways to reason with people that like you shouldn't be spotlighting uh the police like this. Well, it's on every yeah. news channel. I'm not I'm just watching the news. I'm commenting yeah. on the news. They could very easily just not film these things and no one would have the ability to watch police chases. And yeah. you know, it's on NBC, CBS, Fox. You saw me switch between multiple channels. They will run into programming. I'm not I, the only 
I haven't seen them go over the NFL. They will go over baseball. They'll go over everything else to show you a police chase and interrupt it, but not the NFL. So that's how you know the NFL yeah. is king, that they won't interrupt that shit. But um, yeah, to answer your question, uh, it's something, again, I've, I find interesting. And I also like educating people about it because there is a different way to look at it than you go to the local bar. They will have the police chase on. If it is a night chase on a Friday night, the bars will have the police chases and you'll see people like rooting like it's a sports team, like it's the Dodgers, like, go, 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 go. They have no clue what they're rooting and they're just rooting for the sake of rooting. My goal, again, is to share my experience with them and kind of enlighten them on this world, which not everyone has an interest in. And that's completely fine. So don't feel like you're being left out. It's an L.A. culture thing. For sure. Um, And. Yeah, it's I think some of the ejections they're more rooted in something sacred or metaphysical. It's this idea that you shouldn't be able to watch somebody die in real time. That shouldn't be something that that should happen. Now, I don't know if there's necessarily um a deeply thought out reason for why. Why not? You know, this is a dangerous situation and uh, people are better informed about it happening. Um, then I understand personal discomfort with tuning in and seeing it, not wanting to see something like that happen, which there's certainly a chance that that happens. But it is hard for me to articulate, even if I can understand the perspective of this shouldn't be shown, it's hard for me to articulate why. But do you think the why the the opposing no. perspective has something legitimate? No, um, the, the why is simple, Ethan. The, it, the why is because – the the stream that I was just uh, I, I, I'm pirating, I guess, or simulcasting on Twitch mm-hmm. had 30,000 concurrence in the room on YouTube. Their videos, uh, Fox 11, LA, NBC 4, KCAL 9, you click any of their other videos, it's two, 3,000 views. You click the police chase replay and it's 400,000. Okay. It puts butts in seats. And ultimately that's what uh, if you're a content producer, someone's job out there is to get as many views to the network as possible. And since there's so many news channels here in a major market, uh, I told you right before we went live that I live in the path of those helicopters and you will see them racing each other because of the competition to have the first stream and how much that is worth. That equates to dollars. That equates to followings in social media and get someone promoted. That's that's the answer. That's fascinating, just that there's this mini economy surrounding it. Um, I'm not too aware of the economics of Twitch, but does it make money for you? And could you mm-hmm. at all quantify that for us? Yeah, so I I post them only on Twitch now. I move them from Twitter. I move them to Twitch where people can either uh, tip or bit or whatever it's called, but they can also subscribe to the channel. And every time they subscribe, uh, I share a portion of that revenue uh, let's say the subscription is $8 per month. I would split that. I think right now it's 70-30 with Twitch, which is Amazon. So I get 70% of that and Amazon would get 30 and or Twitch or whoever officially is yeah. the company. Um, and then you stack subscriptions and people will subscribe so that they get things like access to special emojis. I was referring to Eliana Moreno, who's like an all-star reporter here in Los Angeles. She's up in the sky. People love her to death. So like you get a special Eliana emoji if we do her stream. Uh, you also get ad-free content. The last thing you want is an ad dropping in over the stream right when you know the, mm-hmm. they're coming to a close and the ending and here comes the fur missile. If you want to avoid the ads being dropped in, you can subscribe. So there's, there's benefits to doing that. Um, I hate and- when a commercial disrupts my view of the fur missile, but, but continue. I, I said, yeah. <laughs> of course. So, yeah. You're a man of no. culture. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I monetize based off of the subscriptions of people following my channels to watch the chase with me. It's just a, a wob fan, one of the subsets of the wob fan base. Uh, some people only watch me for police chases. They don't give a shit about well, the NBA. If, if you don't mind, could you just give us an estimation of how much that, that chase makes for you? I'll trade you. I'll tell uh, you how much the, the recent article makes for me. I mean, no, you, you just no, okay. you don't need to. I mean, I make a couple thousand dollars a month. Uh, nothing, nothing, just enough to pay rent. If I did Twitch by itself, I would barely be able to pay my rent. Mm, okay, well, let's let's get into the whole thing. Well, actually, one question before that: You're a major NBA fan. You're mm-hmm. a major car chase fan. <laughs> Do you have? powerful memories of the oj simpson chase that happened during the 1994 finals 
I mean, not only do I have powerful memories, but it was being simulcast at the same time that the most important game of my life was being played. Knicks Rockets. Yeah. What was that with the title of that 30 for 30? Is what June 6, 1994? Whatever yeah. the, that whatever it was in June. When when Tom Brokaw and Bob Costas, because there was no such thing as picture in picture back in the day, were going sw- hot switching back and forth, full screen OJ, back to full screen Starks and Hakeem. Um, that was as generational of a moment in culture as I can remember since I've been alive. And, uh, of course, I think that was the inspiration for all of Los Angeles news networks to continue to create content around chases just based on how popular, uh, the viewership for that was that he was the, you think of car chases, that's the first one every single person will tell you about. So you can use that as the, uh, as the, I don't know what the appropriate term is, but. I was very frustrated as a kid who desperately wanted the Knicks to win and loved John Starks. I didn't have any understanding of who OJ was or what this was about. I I just remember being a kid and being very frustrated by the disruption to the game. Were you looking at it differently back then as a kid? Were you fascinated by what was disrupting it, even though you cared about the game outcome? At the time, I was just like, show me the damn game because I was probably seven, eight years old. I mean, yeah. I don't know who really O.J. Simpson was, uh, I, nor do I know what the hell is happening with cops chasing a car. But I, based yeah. on the way my parents were reacting, um, can you come back in 30 minutes? OK, thank you. Sorry, I have maintenance. Okay. I have maintenance, it's as okay. you can tell. In my, the- my, son, my, my son just arrived home um, because we got we got a late start, which we're OK with, Rob. That was incredible. Uh, but there might be some ambient noise uh, to warn you about. <laughs> no, first yeah, of anyway. all, it's my fault. But as you can keep <laughs> some people may be listening to this, but I woke up to these streaks on my ceiling, which I'm pointing to. And it's water oh. from the upstairs unit is appearing to leak into my ceiling. So I called maintenance to come check it out. Mm. And of course they show up right when I'm doing this podcast. So welcome to my world of trying to get something yes. done and this shit happens. Yeah. You know, it, it happens. Um, well, should we just, here's something for you, Rob. If it wouldn't, this could make us both uncomfortable. I pitched a book on the NBA and the modern state of the NBA through a few different vantages, um, a few different business perspectives and I actually wrote in the pitch like a miniature chapter on yourself. Would mm-hmm. you want to hear anything about it? And and could I just get your reaction? And I would add, this was a rough draft. This was not the gussied up final version. So if you find the prose Spartan, uh, not exactly the the prose of a stylist. Just just know that you know per my own insecurity. Would For you sure. like is to this, hear anything? Is this book going public at some point, or is no, it just this book? Is, this this book is not happening because uh-huh. I realized that the economics of Substack were such that um, I was better off putting all of my effort in the Substack versus dividing the effort up and putting out a book. I mean, I like to write. Ideally, I'd like to do both, but there was a robbing peter to pay paul aspect of it and i was just so excited about the sub stack and let's i was so it. into it well you know uh, what? while we're here let's hear it <laughs> it's a hypothetical chapter called rob and adam uh <laughs> rob perez is from the same small town as adam silver he went to the same high school as adam silver perez's twitter avatar is adam silver's unsmiling face Rob is not actually Adam Silver, but they are engaged in very much the same obsessive hustle. Rob, does this seem? Does this seem like it's? Uh, this yeah. is this is accurate so far. I would I would uh, read this chapter. <laughs> if you want to understand the modern NBA's business, look no further than the man who runs the worldwide Wob Twitter account, followed by six hundred and eighty-five thousand Twitter users. Man, you've gained a lot since then. Since yeah. I wrote this chapter. Uh, Rob Perez, age 33, you can tell this chapter was written a couple years ago, is a startup whiz who has foregone the standard markers of adulthood in favor of life in the NBA content business. On a nightly basis, he surrounds himself with up to four monitors, all playing NBA games simultaneously at full volume. Um, and then there are some other aspects I probably shouldn't read. It might get uncomfortable. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say this is also the band Lakers owner Jeannie Buss once sent a tweet to reading. I had a dream that one day we got married. End quote. That was that was the thing I was referring to. That's, that's the thing what that happened. Rob, yeah, that is the thing that happened. 
What Rob has access to is a new economy, one that makes the old iterations irrelevant. It runs on internet buzz. It's the future, but in a constant state of present shock. I don't know if I need to keep reading this, but this is, uh, you know, I'm, what? About, I'm about to pull out a pillow, lay down and like light a candle. <laughs> oh, I, I, we got two, we got two paragraphs. We've got two paragraphs left. So let's, let's, let's get to the final, the whole stretch here. We are okay. now in the industrial park, uh, portion of the car chase. Okay. The real Adam Silver is standing on two ice blocks that are floating in opposite directions. The league's global ambitions. He's looking to extract what he can out of China before the spigot is shut off. Uh, actually, you know what? Now that I look at this, I feel like, I feel like we might not get back to you, Rob. I mean, this is very, this is very, uh, scattered. I did not really dismount it, but yes, that was how you were written about in a pitch that then was folded into something else <laughs> in my notes on the scrap keep. Um, is there anything inaccurate there? Is there anything that I describe that makes you react in any particular way? No, I think that's all pretty straightforward. And I would agree with a lot of that. It's an unconventional way of uh, building a career around the league and the NBA. It's, I feel like I've been walking on thin ice for a, a really long time, but you know, the, the end, not the end goal, but I've always been a fan of the league and I, and I find, uh, I find interest in wanting it to prosper both for just my own personal, uh, desires as well as my business. So I'm never in a position, I may critique them and I may say things that they don't like, but it's always with the intention to help improve the product. So um, I, since I'm not an NBA employee, uh, they don't necessarily have control over me, but I guess they could do things like tell Twitter to shut me down one day, mm-hmm. which maybe was a thing. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know if it was, um, but it's certainly things that I'm cognizant of and, and certainly uh, think about. Um, yeah. But yeah, from a, are you, are you the world's biggest Adam Silver fan? And do you want to get into why? I mean, I think I wouldn't say I'm the world's biggest fan. I am. He is my Twitter profile picture. And there's there's more to it, by the way. Only a couple of that's what that's what I want. I'm just. Yeah. Right. Yes. And me, Rob, don't 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 contradict me. No. How dare you? No, no, no. no. Just accept I, the premise of the leading. I, I would never. This is high level. I like these. The reason why I agreed to do this is because when I can uh, <laughs> do it with someone who can think high level, most of my oh. Twitter tweets are for the, the 900,000. Uh, it's it's. How do I put this politely? It is very easy to comprehend and interpret, but it's very rare unless I'm doing a bit or I'm trolling that I can do the the niche stuff. And now I get to talk mm. about the business of WAB in the NBA with you. So that's let's that's, do it. Um, and that so the profile picture itself, first of all, it's Adam Silver wearing the the cloak from Star Wars that Palpatine wears. And the reason for that is Palpatine for the first three episodes of Star Wars was a senator. He was he was out there uh, just amongst the people, you know, Um, but he always was behind the scenes. He had this facade, Mm. you know, the front, not saying Adam Silver is a bad person who's going to be electrocuting people out of his fingers uh, when he can. But I always thought that that man operates does his business quite well that he's able to create this public image of himself while dealing with some very high level conversation and business in the three commas club behind the scenes. And as a result, Mm. you've got to get a lot of dirty work done. And that is just has a lot of Palpatine qualities to it. And now I've added the Terminator face. So half of his face is melted off and he's got Terminator because that man Terminator just cannot be killed despite all of the fire and flames and gunshots that he takes uh, the Terminator mm. is quite difficult to to get rid of. So Adam Silver, despite that, it's just, uh, I guess, his battle well, uh, scars, if, I, if you will. If I if I recall from past conversations, you have a theory that he was something of a, a head knocker behind the scenes of the acrimonious 2011 NBA lockout. Is that is that partially informing this? Yeah, I, I again, I don't know anything that you or someone else does but just based on the reporting that i've read is you know stern and silver behind the scenes did a really good job of getting ultimately what they needed to get through the lockout and uh uh adam silver always just being the deputy at the time you know he would come out through the second round of the draft he would get cheered because 
David Stern was the shield against the arrows. And then Silver yeah. all of a sudden is made out to be this hero. And I'm like, wait a second. He's definitely <laughs> the Silvio yeah. Dante to the Tony Soprano. I was just here. about to go with Sil because Sil's vicious if Tony if he's doing what he needs to do for Tony. But once given the full job, he wasn't so vicious when given the top job. Correct. So I, I also don't mean this to be – I don't want to paint Adam Silver in a light as if he's this evil – uh, spirit, just uh, the 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 Lord, the most recent Lord of the Rings damn uh, season that came out that they had Sauron dre- uh, personifying this completely normal white knight, and then the last spoiler alert, the last scene is you know you figure out who Sauron is that he's just been faking it the entire time. I don't want to make it out to be Adam Silver like that. Anything with me is meant to be jokes, and uh, mm. I don't take it too seriously. If the day ever came that Adam, Adam Silver said. I don't want my face as your profile picture anymore. I'll take it down in two seconds. But until that day comes, it's been the brand. It's been my profile picture for, what, a decade now, almost, ever since Stern retired. So it is what it is. Yeah. You said that you've been on thin ice this whole time and you've made it through. I have a fascination with people who've been in the NBA media content business for as long as you have. What is this thin ice about? What What do you think is so precarious? Um, just for, I mean, I, I've gotten together with, um, some people in Secaucus in the past couple of years, I think just Mm -hmm. to smooth over the, the relationship, because again, I'm, I'm a pirate. I'm a, I I freestyle. I'm, I'm a sole proprietor and I am pretty much answer to myself other than my current business partners. So with that said, I, the NBA of course wants to control their brand and their product. And when there's a guy that they, they can't like say, we'll stop your checks or we'll fire you or blank and blank, then uh, that's a sense of maybe insecurity for people that are trying to protect their own jobs. So just through the grapevine, whether it was through my agents or just people that worked at the league or people that worked with the league is I was in line to get some jobs with NBA TV at some point, And they were kind of like, not love. Like at the time, back in 20, what I heard, I don't know if it was true, but they're like, we can't let WAB be on on our own network. And since then, I think that was because just WAB can say anything. If he's critiquing the refs on Twitter, are we okay with having someone like that being on the NBA brand channel? You know, at the time it was a no, but that's cool. You know, I I wasn't going to change my the way I do content just to like get a gig, you know, for some 30 minute show on NBA TV, even if I got it in the first place, even if I was qualified or good enough to audition for it. Um, But that's, yeah. When I say thin ice, it was always just keep an eye on him, make sure he doesn't do anything stupid. And if he does, then we'll address it. It wasn't like I did something and then I'm on probation. Uh, That never, that never occurred. No. I want to drill down on something I mentioned in that little rough draft book pitch. Four monitors showing four games simultaneously, full volume. How does that work? How are your senses able to absorb anything and catch anything? And can you give an example of something that you catch? Yeah, honestly, four is a light night. Uh, just we're filming this on Monday. Yesterday, Sunday, there was 13 NBA games late. There were nine games on concurrently between the oh my God. 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. hours on Pacific time. So I got all the games on with sound. And I was just recently in Sacramento. I flew up there to try and recreate the Bing Bong video, uh, the famous one yeah. with the Knicks fans celebrating. I wanted to do that. But when Sacramento clinched the playoffs after beating the Timberwolves, it didn't happen that night. But I flew up there in case it did. And I wanted to be there ready to go. So I'm sitting in the media room and I pull out my laptop and my uh, iPads and I'm sitting next to my friend Andrew that works at CBS Sacramento. And I've got five games on at once and I've got the sound on all of them. And he's just sitting there like this is this is breaking my brain. And I'm sitting there watching this as if it's a cup of coffee and and a good morning today or good morning, America. You know, yeah. uh, the reason why I do it, first of all, is I have the games on so that I can see them, but I only have two eyes and they can look in the same direction only. Uh, so the other four games in the example of a five game concurrent slate, the reason why I have the, the sound on is I just have a trained ear to hear if there's a major dunk or a big play or a fight, or I can see a zoom in on a coach or a fan, I'm just, you know, like a cat chasing a laser 
for several hours a day, um, that'll draw my attention. I'll look over there, see if something happened, and then come back to the game that I was focusing on. Uh, so that's just a, a day. I've been doing that now since 20, 2015, pretty much every every single dribble of every single game. Is this something that oh, that's that part's crazy too? Uh, is this something that you train your senses to do? That it's almost like lifting weights, and you get better mm-hmm. and better and better at it, uh, with the understanding that obviously at some point your your senses are overloaded. But are you much better at doing this now than at the beginning? Yeah, for sure. I mean, now it's just it's just a day ending and why for me uh, that I have all these games on at once. And it's, it's white noise when you have nine games on and they're all talking over each other. It just sounds like pretty much, but occasionally you'll hear a whistle or you'll hear, hear a crowd react in one of the games. And it, that sure sounded like something big happened. And then, you know, the, the head quickly focuses to uh, the line of screens that I, I create a V so that they're all in the field of vision so that I can look at one and then there's one right behind it and there's one right behind that. And then I look right and there's a V going that way so that the the 10 games, the five screens are all lined up. So I don't have to, and people listening to this can't see me, but I'm pointing all over the screen yeah. as if I'm uh, in a Vegas right. sports book and there's a yeah. TV at the very end, 50 yards down the, the room. That's not the case for me. I could sit on my floor and just see all the games at once in my peripheral vision. Yeah, you said person of Vegas sports book. I was thinking more of the precogs in Minority Report, how they're just looking all over the place. Um, I'm just fascinated by by this choice of yours because it seems like A, decadent, but B, monk-like. You're denying yourself a lot to do mm-hmm. this night after night after night. And you you are a man of social graces. I'm looking at you right now. You're not pallid. Uh, you're, you're a sharp guy. You're not what I would consider a weirdo. Why would you give up so much of your social life to be alone, absorbing all of this and processing all of this media? Well, first of all, it helps that I live on the West Coast. So moving back here from New York, being there for a couple of years, uh, you can't cover the NBA nationally, especially if you have a family in a real life. Laker games don't end until 1.15, 1.30 in the morning. You're waiting for True. LeBron to talk at the press conference. That's 1.45. Oh. And then if you're doing post-game content, that's when your job starts. You know, I live yes. in the, the vampire hours. You know this quite well. So I don't do I know post- it. Yeah, I, I do a post-game show and I wait for all of these things to conclude before I go live. And the reason why I go live that late and I don't wait until morning is for two reasons. The first of which is I want to capture the emotion of the moment. People, when they go to bed and wake up the next day, they may feel different about LeBron's game winner or Steph's game winner than when it occurred. So I get people that are just have very rabid reactions that are looking to cling to some form of content. And you'll be surprised how many are awake. And you know why you'd be surprised? Because you're thinking of only the United States. A lot of my show Mm. comes from Australia, the Philippines, China, Asia, where it's during the day. So there is a market of people watching these games that I get that the morning shows on at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m., that that time has passed. So it's it's a strategy play. The second of which is it's the time that I'm most passionate about the league too, because I'm feeling the same emotion that these fans and these players did. And I want to be in there to, to capture that. And I'm also a fan of the game of basketball and a fan of the league. So all, for all of those reasons, it's ultimately getting back to your original question of why did you choose this life? And I would argue it's kind of corny, but the life did choose me that we were just Mm -hmm. talking about me watching John Starks in 1994 as if it was life or death. I just like the Knicks. I love the NBA. I enjoy the game of basketball. And above all, uh, if I can create content around it and pay the bills, I can think of a lot worse ways to go through life than that. Now, I'm wired. I'm an only child. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. You know, I've started a couple of businesses and sold them, I'm either all in or all out. There is no punching the time clock with me. So if I agree, if I sign the dotted line and I take your money or I cash your checks, you will get 100% of WAB at all times. And when if we part ways, I'll be all out, all in, all out. Um, it's just, it's the way that I'm wired and being a single guy, that's an only child that lives by himself. I have a whole bunch of flexibility to focus things that are important in my life, which are my career and social. So being on the West Coast, I can do things like watch the Laker game. And if I don't need to do a show that night, there's still time for me to go out to the bar, to the club and have a good time. And that work-life balance right now is just enough that uh, I feel comfortable in continuing to do 
what I do for the foreseeable future. I just love that we're having this interview because I think you're I think you're fascinating and people don't even know how fascinating you are. Nobody else is in Thank this you. particular niche. You've got feelers out in the international markets of basketball, I think, in a way that other people don't. You were saying to me, I think, at the beginning of the season that you you sensed in the international fan markets some pullback and some disenchantment with the NBA. And that's not something that's not a signal. Those of us in America in media who follow the NBA, I think we really we we get some fans from Australia. I remember when Bogut was on the Warriors, we we definitely mm-hmm. sense there's an Australian contingent. You have a sense that there are people around the world, but we don't really understand what's going on out there and how mm-hmm. much resonance the league is having. Can you break down what you were observing earlier in the season? Yeah. So what I think I was referring to uh in your the premise of your question was let's use Kyrie as an example. Okay. We know what happened with Kyrie and what he posted on Instagram, the Amazon movie and all of that. And the way that I think, regardless of my opinion of what I think Kyrie did, I'm thinking from a business standpoint, a content creator standpoint that has the audience that I do, I'm thinking, does someone in the Philippines really care about this or are they watching the NBA more for Kyrie's crossovers and ridiculous finishes? And I ultimately come to the conclusion that I think they care more about his, his basketball ability more than the resolution of whatever off the court issues. Now in America where culture is different than maybe something in the Philippines that takes something over there may take precedent that Kyrie does over what he does in the United States. Everything's a different situation, but, um, I personally have no interest in interjecting my opinion of social, economic, political matters into the game. And I just uh, have always planted my flag on creating content around the league. I I want to act like let me just let me let me just jump in. I think you're making a fascinating point that I have not seen anybody make anywhere, which when these things happen, we're often looking at through the context of. What does this do to the popularity within America? That's certainly my primary focus. But what you're saying makes so much sense that the social issues overtaking the product is almost more of an issue internationally because in these other countries that the NBA is trying to get into, a lot of the people there don't have any context for what we're talking about or what offends us or any of it, regardless of whether you think that offense has merit or the player is committed an offense. It's just not something that's so easily translatable to some of these massive countries that the NBA is popular in. Yes? I'll give you an example. Um, I, on my show, I have this caller who always calls in from Nigeria. And it's he has to stay up. He's a Laker fan. He stays up at th- till three, four o'clock in the morning sometimes to watch these games. And he gets so upset because he's got no one else to talk about it with him. And he just wants to come in and talk Laker basketball, the X's and O's stuff. Like, why did LeBron shoot it here, there, and there? And then I remember speaking with him once during the show itself that um, it wasn't wasn't the Kyrie issue. I'm just going to continue just for uh, consistency's sake. If I were to propose the, did you see that Kyrie's gotten suspended for a movie that he's promoting on Instagram? The first thing that he would, the guy from Nigeria would say, I don't give a shit. I'm like, hey, yeah. did you see the, the shot that LeBron had? Like, just, yeah. he, he would tell me, as he has before, the army is kicking in my door because of the corruption and coups that are occurring in the government. You think I care about what someone's posting on Instagram? There are, I have, me, Wob, I have perspective yeah. of the world from speaking to people like that, understanding what's going on in other parts of the world. They don't give a shit about those little things. And they use the NBA as an escape from that. And the reason why they come into my show is they don't have to hear about that bullshit. So that's why I'm consistent. It's not me treating as I'm not talking about it. I I understand. I I just think this is a fascinating point. Again, it's one I haven't seen elsewhere because it's presumed in our discourse that that sort of response of stick to sports or only want to be sports. That's a very red America response or at least gets cast that way. But it seems to be obviously an even more dominant response in these other countries because, again, we other countries are less interested in our stuff generally. Canada being a massive exception for whatever reason. No, even um, them. Even them. Are. Yeah. 
even them, they feel like that's such an American thing. You're making this a big deal. And these other countries, whether it's Nigeria, I've spoken to some several people from the Middle East, for example, you get a caller from we've had Palestine and like they all they want to do. This is my hour that I don't have to worry about like a rocket coming through my my roof. Mm. And I use the NBA as an escape. And the way that they see the world is different than someone that's logged into Twitter all day and is too online. Not that the people's opinions, the two online people yeah. don't matter. It's all worth the same. You're all your vote. You get one vote. Right. Uh, I'm not I'm not uh, uh, deprioritizing people's yeah. opinions, but uh, those people seem to lack the perspective of there's other things going on in the world. And the citizens that live in different countries see the NBA in the United States in a much different lens. Yeah. And as a result, that's why I try and keep my content very wide scope and cast the widest net possible uh, to incorporate all of those people. So, you know, yeah. I, we're not taking a 30,000 foot view. We're what's the height of a chopper? You know, what's like, <laughs> we're, 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 how high sure. are they in the, during these high speed? Do you, can you tell me how high they are during the high speed chase? Uh, I'd probably say they're a couple thousand feet off the deck. Yeah. A couple thousand. Yeah. That's um yeah, it's not it's not too high. That's not too high up there. No, I think people understand what you're saying. And again, this is just the sort of insight I don't normally get. Okay, to make a big pivot with no segue. What was Top Shot and what happened with Top Shot? Explain it in one sentence, Rob. Go. You have well, ten seconds. Heard... I'm just joking. Oh wow. Uh yeah, ten seconds not enough, but um I I haven't seen much from them lately. Uh, it like anything in the crypto world, it surged during the bull run. Uh, it was, it's a good idea, but the, the business model itself, it oversaturated its market with, with product and it made the cards, I think, uh, less desirable for people to want to yeah. obtain every time they come out with a new version of it. And then all of a sudden this one that I paid a lot of money for is not worth that much. And then you get some bad actors all that are just trying to make a quick buck. In addition to that, you have, um, uh, just I, the the market itself, uh, seeing the sales numbers. I want to I, I want to explain first because people might wonder: a) what the hell is NBA Top Shot? B) why the hell did Ethan ask Rob this? Um, NBA Top Shot was uh, kind of a crypto playing card exchange. The idea was that you have a highlight, a digital highlight. Uh, that is on the blockchain, so you cannot replicate it or steal it. It's authenticated, and there is a market for it, and there was a lot of buzz around it at the beginning. And I asked Rob about it because, again, he has odd feelers and odd worlds. You you have a lot of feelers in the gambler world, in the crypto world, and I that's why I put the question to you, Rob. So I'm I'm, I'm sorry for for stepping no. over you. I just wanted people to understand why I would throw a random one at you there. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been I've been keeping track of Top Shot since the day, pretty much that it's hockey sticked overnight because I'm interested in it. And uh, considering worldwide, Wob has the the le not leverage, but the power that Wob has in creating, let's say, inventory for Top Shot. When I find a moment that isn't a poster dunk that could potentially become a Top Shot moment, uh, those are just things that I'm always thinking about and the trickle down effect of it, which is a segue. I don't want to talk about Top Shot forever, but it's a segue into a conversation of worldwide Wob's impact on the, the world of basketball content, which now I have a full breadth of knowledge. Um, in the power, I have to be really not necessarily careful, but every time I hit that tweet button, I know what the effects are going to be because I'm usually first to market with, and we, we're all watching the national TV game where Jalen Brown just posterized Joel Embiid. Mm -hmm. Everyone saw that. That's not proprietary content, right? But if I find something on NBA League Pass, uh, a little Easter egg that goes crazy viral within five to 10 minutes, every major aggregator in sports, um, content network, uh, you name them, like a, a Bleacher Report, a House of Highlights, an ESPN, Sports Center. You, all of a sudden, you'll see those same videos popping up five to 10 minutes later with just a caption that's changed a couple of words. And while it doesn't upset me that it's, I mean, that it's like copying and pasting, because first of all, I'm pirating the content that they're licensing. So technically, they should be mad at me for being able to do it for free. So I have no ill will towards them. But I understand the effects, because if I tweet something that goes viral, they're going to see it because I've seen the Slack channels at all these places. I have WAB fans that send me a screenshot. They're like, you got your own Slack channel here. And I see all my tweets that they're like, get this up ASAP. 
So I'm thinking if I tweet something, there's potential that that moment is about to be seen by a billion people, Ethan. Now, let me explain the math to you because I've done it. You load one of my videos, the Wembenyama video I did from yesterday. It, it's done 2 million views. So how do you get from 2 million to a billion? Well, the answer is when a Bleacher Report, House of Highlights, ESPN and Sports Center all get it themselves and they post it on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, mm. Facebook, by the YouTube. By the time you're done counting all of the views 24 hours later between these 100 million subscriber accounts, it's done almost that moment has done almost a billion views if it's one of the wob Easter egg things. So I can put things into the world that become uh, part of lingo, part of conversation, part of building an A block, a B block, and a C block on talk shows the next day. Uh, might get their own segment based on something I just noticed during an NBA game because everyone else was busy watching the Women's National Championship. Right. If I find an Easter egg for a Markel Fultz did uh, that could draw all of Orlando to talk about it. So I'm thinking about that kind of stuff. And of course, I want to monetize it for my own well-being. Um, but as of this moment, of course, the, the that's just the effects of of what Wab does into the content world and the trickle down effect uh, of everything I'm producing is. Uh, yeah. Is if you give it a second of thought, while I'm not single-handedly the one responsible for the billion billion views, it's where it started, right? Did did COVID yeah. start in the lab and then it spread out, or did it? You know, it had to start somewhere. I've all we've all seen the movie Contagion, Contagion or whatever it's called. Um, yeah. It started in the pig at the restaurant and then it spreads. You know, if Wob you, tweets it out and then you're, are, do you think you're Gwyneth Paltrow or do you think you're the pig? <laughs> I'm definitely the pig for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the big. Sometimes I tweet things, dude, without without a caption, and it's a bootleg video from my iPhone Seven. And then if it's really good and it starts to go viral, fifteen minutes later, someone grabs the HD version of it. Then the networks start to see it, and then it ends up on the halftime show, and then it ends up with a billion views. So I'm, mm. I usually am the I'm sprinkling little things of Tinder on top of embers to create this inferno of a moment that just occurred in the NBA. You know, I, I, there's other people out there doing it too. I'm not the only one, but uh, can, it's just my experience. Can, can you name us a moment that went viral, something we would be familiar with that would not have gone viral, but mm -hmm. for you? Oh, this is the easiest answer in the world. I spent a full day going through the box scores of every law, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers was it was he on the Cavs or the Lakers? It was it was LeBron. Yeah, it was the Cavs still. I think um, the box scores of every single Cleveland Cavaliers regular season game of a made three pointer because I recognized he was doing this. He had this tick. You know, people have ticks. They have twitches sometimes. It's like a poker tell that he was doing this thing about dribbling the ball twice, spinning it, and then staring at it. And every single time that he did, he shot a three and it went in. And all of his threes that he didn't do that seemed to miss. And the ones that he did it for seemed to go in. Now, that's just a natural, again, a rhythm thing. That's why he's doing it. But he would stare at it and then pull up. Yeah. And then enough times of it happened that I pulled every single example. I think the minute the, the video was three and a half minutes and each play is about seven to 10 seconds. So do the math on how many total times that shit happened halfway through the year. And I said, LeBron stares at the ball and does this move. It's going up and it's going in. And I put the video out there. And then the very next game, I think he had three instances of staring at the ball, shooting it, swishing it. And it just went insanely viral. I mean, everyone mm. is starting to LeBron did the yeah. thing. LeBron did the thing. They're talking about it. They're asking him in the first game one. press conference. Um, these guys that, you know, I'm close with now, like the Dan Wikis of the world. I, I, I'm just using his name as a, an he's example. A very charming, he's a very charming man, Dan he's, 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 he's the best. And I bring him up because he's a really cool guy and I hopefully he'd be okay with it. But just an example, I, I always watch the Laker post game and I, I, I crack this joke with Wikis all the time that I'm sitting there and Wikis always goes third. Uh, it, it's Trudell first, McMenamin second, and then Wojcicki third. Mm. And every time Wojcicki gets out, I'm like, oh, it's Wojcicki time. I know he's going to ask some shit that's going to make me laugh because he's got, you know, he's writing different articles than Trudell is trying to get information for the post game, uh, the studio show. And uh, yeah, something like that. Like LeBron, tell us about the, the rhythm three. 
you know, just like be, he's always blunt about it because that's who he is. And I know yeah. we'll get a good answer out of him, but uh, yeah, something like that. The, the LeBron stare at the ball and, and Chuck, that, that was a thing for months, months. And then there were scouts and coaches that were referring to it in, in uh, mm. interviews during the game and post-game press conferences. Like we're not letting LeBron get in rhythm with that stare <laughs> shit. I don't know which coach said that, but I'm like, that was all a result of that video that I put together. So that's an example of the tinders becoming an inferno. Do you have any other examples? Um, that one's a great one. I remember that one. Mm -hmm. um, I know it, it must be that you've been swimming in this. So it's almost like trying to mm -hmm. – what jokes were funny in a in a Chappelle stand-up routine. Sometimes it's hard to pull something out of the air. I got another? Do you, do you oh, for sure. Else? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was that same exact season, but it was LeBron and Harden that – I, I want to stand up and show you, but I know people are yeah. listening to this. When you're at the free throw line, you stand there and you shoot, and players in – in today's game will fall forward to maintain their balance. Okay. So that they can shoot straight and they'll step over the line. Harden. Now a lot of players, Donovan Mitchell just did it during a game winning play. Players do it all the time, but LeBron was a offender unlike anyone else uh, in the league. So just like I pulled him doing the, the stare at the ball, I found 10 to 15 examples from just a half a season alone where he has two full feet over the free throw line before the ball is halfway to the rim on free throws. And again, he was doing that because at the time he was struggling with his free throw percentage and you could tell he was working on his balance and using the fall forward as a way to not fall sideways or keep his elbow tucked. And he was just stepping over the line egregiously. So I put together the montage of it and here's, I would stop it. Ding! And I put the arrow, look at his foot. It's on the ground. The ball's here. And he's three feet over the line. Guess what happens? The game in Orlando, you can search this on Google. Washington Post writes an article that LeBron finally gets whistled for free throw hmm. violation. And then he looks down and it was Scott Foster or someone that's like stepped over the line. Mm -hmm. And LeBron's like, what the fuck? You never call that shit. But the moment the video went viral, the very next game, all the refs started calling it. And I'm sitting here. I'm like it, it's hiding in my hoodie. Like it wasn't my fault, but it kind of was, uh, you know, just don't LeBron fans. Please don't please don't get mm. mad at me uh, as I wear a LeBron <laughs> shirt here today on this uh, on this show. But, yeah, that's another example of just little little from watching too much hoops. You you catch on to things like this that occur and occasionally the stars align so that it's a major, not violation. It's just a major moment to discuss and it becomes a thing. No, I think any sports writer looking askance at what you do might not understand what they do. I mean, you're, you are shaping how people understand what's happening. You are um, unveiling new stories um, and you're doing it in your own particular way i just it's again i don't i mean is there anybody who's like you are, are you just unique is there anybody you see as somebody that's your your sampras to your agassi is there somebody who is in your general general orbit uh i wouldn't say so much in the nba world uh i think that a wob exists in the mlb world uh the john, john boy media. oh of course yeah, yeah. The way that he sees the game of baseball and breaks it down is unique and different. Um, uh, it's it's everyone is. I, I'm trying to answer this properly. the The way that someone like myself or him, we're all watching the same game, but we're I see it through a different lens, and I want to share what I'm seeing. Uh, the famous saying is, "You hear me, but you're not listening." Whatever that version is for eyes in view mm -hmm. is what I'm doing with the NBA. We're all watching the same game, but I see something different. Uh, and yeah. I want to put that together in a presentable, uh, something that can be comprehended and consumed to the most basic fan all the way to the most expert of fan uh, is my goal as a content creator. So uh, unique ways of delivering uh, the simple things that there's always an avenue open, I would think, from uh, for aspiring content creators, uh, if you find something that sticks, whether it's breakdowns, uh, I do WAB investigations where I'll go uh, 
break down a certain play, bring some history into it, and then ultimately come to a verdict on what should or shouldn't have been called, how a play transpired, what what someone was saying with their lips, you know, um, and that's what they do on the MLB side over at, at John Boy Media as well. So, uh, yeah, I uh, it's just that dip, trying always to share something different, I think, is is the answer here. Okay, well, I guess the last question I'll ask you is, this just doesn't feel sustainable, man. Watching nine games at one time, I mean, it's incredible what you uncovered. But are you getting, are you are you just going to do this forever? I mean, are you? Is there a retirement date? How long does this go? I I've definitely feel uh, burnout, like many other content creators do. I just did a vlog on my day to Sacramento, from wake up to the time I go to bed, and there was. I, I was just nonstop, you know, all day. And for the most part, other than having a little bit of help with some guys, a producer I work with at a editor, I work with at underdog fantasy, I'm doing everything by myself. So I'm watching the games for seven hours. I'm creating content during the day, editing a video, doing a post game show. Yeah. If I wasn't a single guy that lived on the West coast, it's just not humanly or physically possible to take on this burden of work. Um, so yes, I get burned out on, just nonstop content creation, which has a trickle down effect to now all of a sudden, maybe I'm not in love with the NBA the way that I used to, because I'm too deep into it. Right. And I'm, mm. I'm getting exhausted from just having to watch all these games. And for a majority, they're not great. You know, Pistons versus magic it has to be saved by a Markel Fultz breakaway dunk. Otherwise the other two and a half hours, that's a long two and a half hours of watching some really yeah. bad basketball NBA regular season with load management and stuff like that. It's hard to get up for. So I get burned out on uh, the the time needed to uh, complete the job that is worldwide. Wob. Uh, it eats into my creativity as well. If I'm putting in all these hours, having to do things like edit and produce, uh, I, I can't. I can't take two hours to just think of something cool because I'm, you know, busy doing work. So the burnout is real. And I've considered maybe it's time to move on to do something else. But every time I try and quit, someone gives me an offer I can't refuse because I don't have that much money that I can just stop and retire tomorrow. Like I still got to work to pay the bills like many people out there. So um, if I have a reason that motivates me to work, yes, I'm going to continue to do it. But I would be lying if I said it's not 100% passion, 0% work anymore. I would say it's 60% passion, 40% work, right? If you don't feel like yeah. if you don't feel like you're working, then you never work a day in your life, whatever that saying is. That used to be the case, you know, when I was when I was coming up and just grinding because I loved it. But now that I've been doing it for so long and I'm so deep, it is starting to feel like work a little bit, which I'm happy to do. Um, I'm, I'm, I would don't take it for granted either. I could be doing something completely different and more labor intensive. And again, I have perspective of the rest of the world and watching the NBA is a pretty damn fine life, which I'm, I'm cool with, but, uh, it is a lot. And if you're not all in, then what's the point? I, I, I know I said that that was the last question, but this is actually the last, last question. Um, so you're a single guy and, uh, you have a very strange job. Uh, if you are, say, out at the bar um, talking to uh, talking to a woman, how would you introduce what you do to her? Mm -hmm. I'm a con I produce content for the NBA is my answer usually. And they'll ask, well, what does that mean? I'm like, well, I do videos, uh, write articles, uh, radio, digital, you know, things like that. And they'll say, are you a reporter? I'm like, well, no. I guess kind of. And then it just, you know, spurns a conversation. From you're you're there, kind but. of slow playing. You're kind of appropriately slow playing a poker hand in a way. You're, you're, yes, you're because I don't want to say yeah. I'll never, ever introduce myself as worldwide. Wob. That is so cringe to me. And when my friends do it, I, <laughs> I hate it so much. I, I almost don't want to meet people in public because I'm going to let them down. I'm just a completely normal dude. I promise. But they're anticipating some, uh, some superhero sometimes. And, um, you know, if I'm with, if I'm on a date, like I, I was a couple of weekends ago and the bartender's like, yo, wow, what's up, man? I love your shit. Like the police chase the other day was crazy. And the girl's like, who the fuck are you? Like, I mean, 
And then you get these people wanting pictures and stuff. They're like, wait a second. Are you, are you more than a content producer to your point? That's like slow playing a poker hand, but I have no yeah. desire to uh, announce, stand on my soapbox and announce to the world that I'm worldwide. Wob. Let me into the club without waiting in line. Like mm-hmm. I would rather wait in line than ever pull that card. Cause that is so cringe to me, especially here in LA. You should just go with Wakey. I feel like he'll talk you into the club. That guy is so smooth, so affable. Uh, Well, we were not disappointed meeting the real you. Uh, This was fantastic. And do you have anything to plug on the way out? Post game show is called Radio Roulette. You can find us on Underdog NBA's YouTube channel. Again, it's usually three and a half hours that goes into the wee sunrise portion of the morning. Uh, that's where most of my proprietary content goes. That's something we didn't talk about, by the way, how Twitter has mm. moved as a, a vehicle, I think, more as a storefront into promoting stuff where you can monetize like Twitch and YouTube. So I don't do my shows on t- Twitter anymore. I put them on YouTube and Twitch. Um, but yes, YouTube, Twitch, Worldwide Wob for police chase stuff. Underdog Fantasy. They pay the bills. They're great partners. If you are interested in gaming, that's the place to be. Well, yeah, we can get into those business aspects next time. I can just talk. I can talk for, for, for hours and hours with you. Worldwide Wob, Rob Perez, thanks so much for stopping by, man. Thanks for having me.